Hello, Hello Internet. Internet. This is ESE Insight Calling. I'm Ewan Spence. I'm AJ Clay. I'm Alice Beverton Palmer, and this is Jukebox Jury. Yes, we've got music coming up from Belgium, from Croatia, from Romania, from Switzerland, from Albania, from the United Kingdom. All the countries with the longest names and the shortest opening. Well done, Ewan. That's planning for you. Uh, Who needs a more? eh? Yes, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Welcome once more to Jukebox Jury, our quest to listen to all 37 songs, which... Frankly, it's not much of a quest. It's setting the bar quite low. Uh, but going up above that, we do talk about them as well. And above that, we rank them hit, miss, and maybe. And beyond that, your ultimate quest is to work out what those ratings means because we haven't managed to in the last, oh, what, 14 odd years of this doing this mishmash podcast thing. So let's do this mishmash podcast thing. Joining me now to go through those six songs. First up, AJ joins us once more. Now the second most famous AJ in the Eurovision circuit. That's true. Yes, I am the, the second most famous AJ. Um, I'm a writer of fiction and non-fiction and also a watcher of terrible films. Yes, Covidio Monday has been helping us through the dark times, really, for the last two or three years. And there's been some absolute classic films in there, hasn't there? There have been classics. There have been good hammer horrors. There have also been absolute clangers. But we enjoy them anyway. And that community is based on Twitter. So we will find That's... you on Twitter. The Scottish word for whiskey. That's right. I have to have the code. <laughs> yeah, we'll have links back at our website, www.escinsight.com, as always. Uh, and a um, long time listener, I hope, because otherwise they don't know what they're in for. But first time juror, Alice Beverton Barron joins us now. Hello, Alice. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, from uh, many, many places online, but the one that particularly has attracted me to your voice is the Dorothy Project, which is giving a platform for many voices. Absolutely. So it's um, celebrating uh, the women who've had an impact on queer culture. So we've talked to some, actually, we've talked to Eurovision voices. We've talked to Nikki French, um, who was a ray of sunshine, um, who I will never forget interviewing. Dorothy Project is between seasons just now? That's right, yes. We've done three seasons. Um, They are all available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And I've been on maternity leave um, from real jobs and side hustles, um, but thinking, thinking about a season four. Ah, Looking forward to season four. But of course, all the seasons you can listen back to again at the website, which you can do with almost any podcast, including this one. But for now, we're going to look forward. We are going to finish up with the United Kingdom. Yeah, you're going to have to wait the entire podcast for the one that's at the very end. It's almost like Christopher Bjorkman taught me how to do a running order. Before that, we will have Albania. Before that, Switzerland. Before that, Romania. Before that, Croatia. And we will kick it all off with Belgium. It's Gustav and because of you. And when the world got me going crazy Gustav there with Belgium's entry into the Eurovision Song Contest this year because of you. It would be remiss of me to not point out that Gustav likes his hats. Wouldn't you say, AJ? 
Oh, he does. Yes, he is a style icon. He is perhaps not, from what I gather from the fandom when the national final was on, not the act people expected to win, but the act we deserve because he is excellent. He was very much the, the, the sort of surprise song that crept up on me. Now I've been listening back to all the songs. And the first thing I thought was, has he been listening to every 90s dance banger? Because I'm getting Kim Sims, I'm getting a bit of Jocelyn Brown, Crystal Waters. There's even a woo yeah, the kind of woo yeah that, that all songs seem to have back then. It's just really good. To me, it sounds like he's ingested the entire soundtrack from Priscilla, Queen of the Desert and distilled it into three glorious minutes. For me, it's possibly a test of my age um, because reading up on it and, and people saying that it's not popular, I'm like, what are you talking about? This is pure joy. This is voguing. This is big house piano chords. What's not to love? And apparently if uh, you're 20 years old, lots, and it doesn't translate. Um, but I really hope that it makes a splash on the night because I just think it's really well put together it's all about queer culture and, you know, he said himself, it's about kind of chosen family. Um, and I think that's a very Eurovision message. Music shows can like narrow in on certain demographics, you know, you can have films that are, oh no, this is definitely for the teen audience. This is for a family audience. Eurovision has to cover every single spot. And I do love the idea, Alice, that you completely connect with this because of your age and that's what you were listening to but it doesn't, it connects in a different way to a different part of the audience. One of the things I love about Eurovision, which is that I started watching it when I was a small child, and and I think it's brilliant that you get exposed to stuff that wouldn't have been aimed at you or that you wouldn't have even known to seek out. And it's always been this amazing, this amazing advent calendar of windows on the musical cultures of different countries, um, as, as well as different eras and different genres. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it will connect across the generations, because actually, from what I hear, Eurovision skews a lot younger in terms of TV audience than people might think. Um, so I don't know what that'll mean for uh, for Belgium's chances. Um, but as you say, I think it's it's brilliant that there is such a wide audience. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, just to touch on the kind of talking about like chosen family and things like that, I did watch an interview elsewhere with uh, Gustav and he was he was very, very good. At, I, th I think I kind of warmed to him because I got to, to know him a bit more and why he was celebrating his identity. And we were talking about the voguing and things that comes across in the music video. There's very, you don't see much of Gustav. You see a lot of the, the, the drag queens and the, the, the gay guys voguing, the women of colour backing singers all doing their thing. And it's just really nice that he's kind of almost like giving them the stage. And if that's reflected in the staging, I will be very happy indeed. I think one of the advantages he's going to have is he's been at the contest before. He was one of Sanic's backing singers. He already kind of knows the family he's found. He now gets to see the other branch of the family tree for the, the 2023 branch. I'm pushing this metaphor too far, maybe. But he already knows how much he's going to be welcomed. 
having having been to Eurovision, having been lucky enough to have a peek into the um, delegation bubble in Kiev in 2017, um, it's a very intense experience, as you say, and it's it's long days for two whole weeks. And it's lovely to see when acts kind of vibe with each other and support each other. It's my favourite thing about the green room, you know, like when when I've been, to, been in the arena and you kind of peep into the green room and you see who's dancing to what... Um, who's kind of celebrating with with who when they get the points um so yeah hopefully he'll be able to just take that in his stride um because he's not a first timer i think he's going to have an absolutely amazing time with the other acts as well because one, one of the things that people had noted was that it almost seemed like it was becoming the kind of year of the twink i think there's going to be some excellent partying in liverpool I think he's got whatever happens. I, you know, if he doesn't qualify, he's going to have the time of his life. I think he already is. Have you seen that Instagram feed? Just absolutely everywhere. No. Oh. Oh, 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 fabulous, I'll get fabulous, fabulous. Um, but in all of this, we do have the song, uh, and the song itself, as you said, it's accessible, it's pop. I'm not quite sure how well it's going to be remembered when it comes to the voting. That would be the only question mark about all of this. Gustav is wonderful. The song is bright and boppy, but does it have enough to get, for want of a better word, claws into your brain and go, right, you're going to vote for this now, aren't you? And that, I suppose, is is the, the balance point for me of, I'm not sure where this can actually go. I think there's going to be enough love to get him at the semi-finals. Yeah, for sure. But the grand final, I'm not, I'm not so sure. So, so it's a maybe for me on Belgium. Uh, I, it's, a, it's a hit for me. I mean, but then, you know, I'm kind of the, the queer millennial target audience, probably. <laughs> well done. Welcome to your demographics. Stay there. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it is a hit. Um, but I think you've mentioned a very good point, Ewan, which is that there's music and then there's Eurovision music and they're very different things. Um, so a radio hit and a Eurovision points gatherer um, need to do very different things. Um, but for me personally, it is 100% a hit. So there we are. We open up two hits and a maybe for Belgium in this round of Jukebox Duo. We've got six songs to pack in on this one. So we are just going to, we're just going to keep the music rolling. So we're going to head down next to Croatia. It's Let 3 and their song Mama. Shh. Mama, jubila morona. Mama, jubila morona. Mama, jubila morona. Croatia's entry there into the Eurovision Song Contest for 2023. Let three, uh, a band that I, I've written down are dangerous jobsy dub. They they have that same sort of energy and presence and staging, but at the same time, you can't always trust them to be friendly and accessible. They they very much like to push the shock part of shock rock. 
dangerous is a good word. One of the notes that I had down was David Hoyle, who is a cabaret artist um, who, if you haven't seen, is uh, you don't want to be in the front row because you never know what's going to happen. And uh, a lot of the makeup in the video was it was very David Hoyle. Um, it was kind of messy and OTT. Um, like last year with Serbia, you have something that is captivating in its weirdness. And my whole thing with Eurovision is the number one thing is that you need to be memorable and it is memorable. Um, and it also has a very serious message um, and it's that kind of performance art vibe. And that got Serbia into the top five last year. However, um, I think there's a air of chaos, which is very different um, to to that Serbian song and maybe their undoing um, because even though there's a there's a snatch of an earworm to it um, it's not necessarily accessible in lots of other ways so yeah I really enjoyed the vibe um, but I'm I'm completely unsure how it's going to go across but I look forward to finding out I mean, I love chaos on a Eurovision stage, but I, I think what Ewan was saying was right. I feel like they might pull a hattery and do something really, like we're not expecting something and suddenly everyone in Liverpool is panicking and trying to move cameras away from them. Because, I mean, I know the song's already been controversial because it's just basically criticising Putin. It is hooky because when, when we first watched the national final, we were doing the whole Mama, Kupi, La Trattura, but the rest of the song is such a hot mess. Like, I can't remember any of it. There's maybe like a crazy frog going on and then some drum kit falls down a staircase and it's kind of... I mean, the staging's going to be bonkers, I'm sure, and it'll be really memorable for that reason. But if it does get through, is it going to even dent the top ten? Probably not. But it'll be fun. But yeah. I think one of the thing with the staging is you have to look at it next to the music video, and when you do that, you can see that uh, you know they are wearing the costumes from one part of the music video. But because video, you can do far more with it. You can play with backdrops. You can play with angles and different costumes, and really just do a lot more movement and a lot more potential. You don't have that on stage unless you work really, really hard on tight camera angles, on props and thinking through. And we didn't see that in the national final. Now, you could say that's because the national final has to serve everybody equally. So you can't say, right, you get to do the really weird camera angles and rotating boards and stuff. We'll keep that for deliverable. You know, that is one option. The other option is they just don't know what to do on stage. They're just going to be a band. And if it's the, if it's that, I think this song struggles because the hook is quite weak. The visuals will need to be the hook. And with the best will in the world, it's easier to remember Constractor's look than it will be to remember Let Three's look. I, I think there's just going to be too much shock and not enough rock. Miss. Yeah, no, I have to agree. I mean, I think uh, once you get over your lad coming out with kind of sparklers coming out of some missiles, it's kind of... It, it, you forget most of the rest of the song and it's just, yeah, miss for me, I think. Um, For me, I think 
you've hit on something that makes me a little bit sad about the modern era of Eurovision, which is that a lot of um, of the Saturday night viewers um, miss a lot of the weird acts, which they actually love and appreciate because they don't make it out of the semis. And I think some years the final can be, for Eurovision, fairly anodyne and safe for that reason. Um, and also for that reason, for me, it gets upgraded to a maybe um, because that's one of the reasons that I love Eurovision is that you get such interesting acts and songs and presentations. So I think it it deserves its place. Do I don't think there's any guarantees it will make it out of the gate into the final, though. One maybe there uh, for Croatia here at Jukebox Jury. As always, you can leave your comments back on our website, www.esinsight.com or on the various social medias. Shall we go for Romania? Yes, DGT off and on from Theodore Andre to Liverpool. A little sip of venom now Say you love me, say you want me now Fool me all over again, baby Lost in your eyes Not to grieve the touch of you Wondering it just what you do Begging you, I'm on my knees Take your clothes up, stay by me I'm lost in your bed sheets Try to get closer With marks on my neck And your makeup all over uh, Photos of us, babe Remind me still love you Once again without a queen What's another way to get me sober? Theodore Andre there from Romania with BDG off and on. Oh, no, sorry. That's the Brian David Gilbert version where he tries to cosplay as a Maru video. Right. AJ, Romania. He's a disaster twink of this year, surely. Like, he, he's, he's a, he looks adorable. He's kind of got that nerdy vibe. The staging I, uh, from the national final, I seem to remember, was pretty awful. There was some some ladies gyrating a bit and some chairs and it was very Tesco value strip club. Um, so whatever he does for Liverpool needs to be much better than that. But song wise, I I don't mind it. It's you know he's, he's got a quite a good voice. It's gritty in places. He can hit the high notes just about. There's a bit of sass to it. It's not bad. It's it's just not for me. Initially, I was like, oh, have we got a bit of a cabaret vibe? Is this a bit arty? Um, can I go with this? And as it continued, the answer became no, I cannot. Um, and that's just my musical taste, I guess. Um, but it felt a bit forced to me, um, a bit kind of pretentious, I suppose. Um, but... I am often wrong when it comes to Eurovision. Uh, I rarely vote the same way as the majority. Um, so perhaps I will be surprised on the night. Nobody is ever wrong about Eurovision, Alice. You just make predictions that have fallen out of the wrong universe. <laughs> oh God, the multiverses of Eurovision. How many multiverses would that be? The Eurovision extended universe. <laughs> um, but staying back to this universe, I think, Look, there was one where he was a guest performer at one of the other national finals where he was out on stage solo with a purple suit on and just, you know, looking confident about the song. Once all the trappings that we'd seen in the national final had been taken away, it's just like, yeah, we got a good performer here. It's a, a young performer, so it's still quite difficult to really command the stage. And it's just like, oh, okay, right, that's what you want to do with the song. So does that mean that's what you wanted to do in the national final, but you couldn't bring them with you to this show? Or what I what I what I suspect is 
the, the production team were looking for something a little bit edgy camp. And they've went with this one and they've brought in the elements that you would expect from someone who's taller, wears a lot more tight leather. You know, whoever the Romanian Burt Reynolds is in the 21st century, that staging would have worked for him with the same song. It's Once you see this with Nerdcore and Geek Shall Inherit the Earth vibes, it becomes a nicer song because it becomes more approachable. Staging, in my mind, should always be used, used to supplement the core message of the song. And my problem with Romania this year is in the national final, it detracts from the core message of the song. What's going to turn up in Liverpool? And that's interesting that you mention other performances because, so for context this year, I've had a lot less time to dig into national finals. I only watch Melody Festival and you get a kind of purer experience. You get much closer to the people who will be watching it just on the TV for the first time. And those are the people who are phoning up to vote. And those are the people who will decide who wins. So actually, it just makes you realise how brutal a competition Eurovision is. Because if he doesn't turn up in that lovely purple suit, if he does bring the gyrating ladies and it doesn't connect, that's his his one shot. Um, so it's interesting that we've you're, you seem a lot more sympathetic towards it because you've seen alternative staging and I've had to take it on kind of face value and therefore it didn't connect. And I think as fans, I think I often get very indignant on behalf of songs or artists who may be more of a grower or who may have a backstory that doesn't translate. So I guess that's a useful note for me that I may have missed something with Romania. When I watched the national final, I just thought this this is a mess. And and as you were saying, you know, it's, it this feels that there's a mismatch with the performer, and and the song, or as the producers wanted it to be, which I think is a real shame. <sighs> Depending on the staging, maybe I'm going to give it maybe. And I also think it's because he's a younger performer. I think an older performer would actually have the clout and the wherewithal to actually stand up and go, no, I I know you've got a lot of people working on this and a lot of money, but no. Given that I was swithering and given that you were swithering, AJ, I, we're going to amalgamate our maybe and our miss to have that sort of kind of, oh, like to get to a maybe. So I'm going to say miss, but we're aggregating our two. It's um, it's a miss from me, I'm afraid, though I am more sympathetic having heard uh, you guys plead the case. Well, that's what we do here. We talk about the songs. Remember, of course, these are just our opinions. We're not the definitive article. We do not decide completely what you think about this song. We know what we think. You know what you think. Hashtag be nice. Discuss in the comments. Have fun online. Right. We go on to song number four. It's from Switzerland. Uh, Remo Farrer with the intriguingly titled Water Gun. I don't want to be a soldier, soldier. I don't want to have to play with real blood. We ain't playing now. Can't turn around. No water guns. No, no. I don't want to be a soldier, soldier. I don't want to have to play with real blood. Because we ain't playing now. Can't turn around. No water guns. Just bloody bags that we've become. Right then, Switzerland. This is the point where I just want to read out Dupont's entire review of this that says why this song is awkward, why it's awkward being sung for Switzerland, and 
the best sort of nod to the camera that I've seen of, well, if you don't want to be a soldier, do civic service instead of national service instead. So DudePoints.fun has far more to say on why this is awkward, but in summary, it was written in isolation. It was then offered to various countries, presumably, and Switzerland said, that's the song for us. We'll have this anti-war song from a country that manufactures weapons and sells them, but says you can't then resell them on again to be used in a war zone. It just... Who in the Sam Hill thought this was a good combination of a song to represent Switzerland? I mean, I would have issues with the song, and it and it's, okay, yeah, well, we're just going to do this nice anti-war thing. It's so, you know, there's nothing subtle about this. And it doesn't work. And when subtle doesn't work, you are just left with, oh, that's awkward. Even trying to work out what to say here about why this song makes me feel awkward has taken five takes. Because trying to describe why something is awkward without being awkward is awkward. <laughs> yes, I mean, the, the optics are just not great, are they? I, I mean... Don't get me wrong, if, if Switzerland want to sink into Sad Boy Valley, which they clearly have been doing for the past little while, you know, I, I kind of warmed to John's tears, but then that was a kind of generic, broken-hearted kind of, oh, so sad, it doesn't love me. But yeah, the, the lyrics just, when I, I watched the premiere on YouTube and we just kind of, me and my partner looked at each other and just went, nah, just very like, this everything is just nope. It's it's grim. It's it's forgettable. It, I mean, he's easy on the eye, I guess. But if the staging is magnificent, maybe something will happen. But you know, it's, it's actually making Let Three look like some kind of Ivor Novello winning, like anti-war triumph. It's like it, no, just no. I mean, you say it's all nope. I do have one yet, uh, which is that he has a lovely voice. Um, so I think, could it have been directed elsewhere to great success? Yes, I do. Um, and yeah, Swiss sad boys, not for me, as you may have noticed, I like a banger. Um, I like a, a bit of chaos. Um, and so kind of moping, moping lads, uh, is not my musical kind of home. Whatever the topic, this this genre is uh, is not for me. Um, but I do think he's got a lovely voice. There may be some mums out there and some grannies um, who throw some points this way. Um, but yeah, it may be it may be a quiet year for Switzerland. I mean, he has a lovely voice, but this song to me feels more like a vocal exercise. Oh, can you make your voices? I can, and I'm making sound one flash. Brilliant, Ray. That is brilliant. The material you've got's not great though. Um, one of the things that I'm not enjoying about this song is that the the musicality, the instrumentation, isn't even really there. It's it's like scaffolding, but they've not draped anything interesting in the music, and they're hoping that Remo's voice can do all the work, putting more pressure on Remo, but then handing him lyrics that are, yep, see previously, they, they just slide all over the place. It it just doesn't gel together. The song feels like it needs to go around again to work out what it really wants to say. The instruments need to, well, the scaffolding's there, and I put the instruments around it. Ramo's doing his best, but again, it's just sounding like he's moving between words rather than 
telling us his story because then we cycle back to what the story means again. Nothing here... Everything here is slightly, slightly to the left of where I want it to be. And that all adds up to something that just feels uncomfortable. Miss. Yeah, it's a miss from me, I'm afraid. Yeah, miss from me as well. And there we go. That's our thoughts on Switzerland's entry to the Eurovision Song Contest this year. One of 37 songs. Those 37 songs, of course, 37 of almost 10,000 that have been submitted across the continent to all the broadcasters and, of course, beyond as well, because let's not forget Australia. Right, we are two songs to go. Now let's do Albania next, uh, one of the uh, countries that was very, 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 very early with their national final, but Ukraine beat them to the punch, so not the first of the year for Festival Yekenyes. But there we are, the Eurovision family and the family of Albina and Familia for Albania with Duya. Albina and the family Kelmendi there with Duya. This song from, well, as always with the songs that come out of Festival of Kenya's, Albania tends to deliver us a song that is clearly Albanian when you listen to it. They do deliver a banger. A, a, a very, there's a sort of ethno banger vibe like the kind of Balkans tend to give us. And and it's good. You know, once once it kicks in, it's you, you're kind of bobbing along, you're vibing out. It's, it's compelling. Uh, for me, it lost momentum a little bit coming up to the chorus. It kind of just sort of stopped and then started again. But overall, pretty catchy. I also love a Balkan banger. Um, there's something about those vocals and the instrumentation that I, I guess I only really listen to in Eurovision season. And maybe I need to um, extend my listening the rest of the year to some more local artists. It kind of goes to one level and stays there. Um, and I would love to see a bit more light and shade. Um, and I think that would have helped it keep keep the momentum or rather build to a crescendo. I think it would have been really, really powerful um, in that case. Um, but I'm still very uh, open to its charms, shall we say. When I was growing up, it was like the sounds that I could hear at Eurovision were unlike anything from the smash hits pop charts that I could hear. That drew me in. And this is why songs like Albania this year and the Balkan sound in particular is just something because that reminds me of that, that period in my childhood where I watched Eurovision and I didn't know anybody else who watched it. You know, it wasn't talked about at school. Uh, my dad would be downstairs watching yet again The Searchers on BBC Two. And so this was this special thing for me. It's one of the reasons why I think Eurovision becomes such a large part because it did have that opening in the world. And Albania's done that time and time again. And we've got, we've got the checklist here. There's the big opening. Nope. Yep. We've got a mix of Albanian sounds into modern verse and structure. Yep. We've got a sway at the bridge that kind of maybe stops it. And then you've got to kind of build up again from this sway. I could have heard this song in the 80s from Albania and went, yeah, that's Albania, Eurovision. Or in the 90s or in the zero, zero S's or the 10s. 
it is transportable, but in a good way. This this says we're Albania. I like that at my Eurovision. I think it's going to struggle because it's in the semi-finalists and 100% televote. And I think that it's, it, getting that public voting is going to be a lot harder when you have something that is less accessible compared to a smash hits, pop hits, banger. But I love them for doing it. I read a really good article a few years ago about the kind of Airbnbification of travel and how there's now like a hipster aesthetic that wherever you go, your Airbnb looks the same. Then you go to your like coffee shop with the exposed brick walls and the kind of exposed wires and kind of do you ever really travel? And I think there's something really special about certain countries at Eurovision and certain acts at Eurovision and it would make me very sad if we saw that kind of flattening out and generic popification of Eurovision so I think I will always celebrate those those more local sounds Um, I went on holiday to Montenegro a little while ago and we had a lot of coach journeys where they just played the radio through the coach. And I was absolutely in heaven, did not have my headphones in. I was like, what are all these new songs I've never heard before? The Montenegrin Top 40. Um, and that's actually increasingly rare. We're in a really connected world now culturally. Yeah, that's so true, actually. I, I think it would be a shame if everything just kind of got homogenised into kind of generic bangers. And You're, you're not nice suggesting we... that we don't like the idea of people just writing songs in on their isolated and then offering them out to all the countries <laughs> to say, is there anything here that you take your fancy to from the top four or from the bottom? Far be it from me to imply that. But, you know, uh, I like the idea of looking back to your musical past, though, like like you were saying, that kind of the retroness. Someone was telling me that when uh, Fira Flamme were representing Denmark, they had, de- obviously it sounded really 80s and stuff, but apparently they had deliberate throwbacks to uh, one half of them was wearing this sparkly purple jacket and apparently it was a reference to a children's presenter that everybody loved in like the 80s and 90s and he was one of the very first... I think openly gay, like he, he was one of the first AIDS victims, um. So so it had a whole other meaning of kind of they're doing this retro song, they're they're nodding back to like a presenter, and I do I like that when countries do that, it does feel like Albania are kind of going yes, this is our grand past. So yeah, hit for me. So for me, I think I've just clouded my own judgment there because the idea of the song is absolutely a hit for me and something that um, is very uh, emotionally resonant for me. But I think the actual song itself, which is what we must judge, is a maybe. I I really want it to go through. I think Saturday night would be all the better for this. And if it goes through, then maybe more people will go, oh, yeah, you're right. It does sound a little bit like my number one from Greece. But it's just this rich tapestry that Eurovision, in my mind, should be. This represents that. So I'm going to take that and go, I've got a little bit of a bias here, so I'm just going to just dull it and go, hi, maybe. Uh, Right then. Okay, so that's five songs, but we are on a jam-packed episode, so we have one more to go in because we could have done eight episodes and let May Mueller have one entire episode of Jukebox Jury to herself, but then she would be guaranteed to lose, and we do not want that for the host entry. So, song six, The United Kingdom, I wrote a song. May Mueller. Instead I wrote a song about how you did me wrong I 
Renee Muller there and I wrote a song right to a DJ. Oh, what a song. What a song she wrote. It's like, for me, this is pure pop. I keep hearing it on Radio 1 and it sounds absolutely at home there. It's a brilliant pop song. It's a total earworm. It's really catchy. I find myself humming it all the time. Hopefully the UK is public, is able to get to a place where... You know, if you look at Sweden, they don't win all the time, but they will be happy with a top 10 placing. My only concern is that the story isn't kind of enough of an emotional punch. And like Sam Ryder, it was just absolutely soaring. It was memorable because of that. And it was very much an emotional connection. And maybe people might feel that this is a bit more disposable um, and therefore it will lose out in um, in the points. But yeah, I think it's absolutely a step in the right direction for the UK. It was always going to be difficult following up Sam Ryder. He's utterly infectious. He was like an energizer bunny telling everybody that Eurovision was wonderful. Sam's attitude, I think, was the big thing that helped the United Kingdom come to terms with the modern sound of the Eurovision Song Contest. And I think May can carry that on in terms of the sound. We're seeing the streams, we're seeing the radio play. There's a lot of pressure. But there's also, I think, less pressure. Because everybody who even knows a little bit about Eurovision is going, ah, Lorraine's coming back. She did Euphoria, didn't she? Oh, Ukraine's in it as well. Yeah. So the UK isn't carrying a strong expectation of you must win. Because others are carrying that burden for us. If you say that Eurovision needs to be a three-year project to revitalise itself in the United Kingdom, I know we're getting away from the song. I'll come back to it in a second. You need a strong first year of just, look, we can do Eurovision. We got that with Sam. Second year, we can do Eurovision. You can do a success. It wasn't a flash in the pan. That's where we are with May. Signs are looking good so far. The third year, you need to have someone just as good, if not better, to go, look, this happens all the time. See, so difficult second album, even harder next year. Especially as we, as community, always go, oh, the year after you host, your song quality drops a little bit. We can't have that. When when the song dropped, I have to say that, like, I I was on Radio 1 in the car and it went down very well indeed. Like Alice was saying, that, that Greg James got some kind of uh, listeners' comments in and they were overwhelmingly positive and kind of, I assume there's a kind of overlap with that listenership and TikTok, which I, I get the feeling it's a very TikTok-y kind of song. And while that's not my demographic, I can absolutely see that becoming the kind of viral hit that way. We really seem to have picked up the baton after Sam, which is great. And I think we've also picked up a really good baton. We've picked up a summer anthem. And people go, oh, we want a modern Eurovision sounding song. Or we want a modern song at Eurovision. Well, you can do both. This is it. It is to my great regret that RAI never sent Rocco Hunt and Anamina with Aeon Pasadella Luna to the Eurovision Song Contest. That song, if you haven't heard of it, where have you been on this podcast? I've mentioned it once or twice. Absolutely Brian Adams' to summer chart in Italy. Three years ago, with this tropical dance beat, and, and there have been countless numbers of those over that. Head, shoulders, knees and toes over the um, year and a bit ago in, in the Swiss charts. This is a sound of the moment. And yep, Alice, I tell you that the story might be a little bit weak. But if the story is, it's summer, go out and have fun. Yay! 
I don't think you need anything more than that. I think what would make it absolute perfection is it's sort of like, I don't know, Heartbreak Anthem or something by Little Mix. It's that sort of like poppy defiance, um, which translates very well. We were talking about demographics in a younger audience. This feels very much a kind of girl power, teen anthem. Um, and it, I was just awash with relief when I heard it. So yeah, well done, BBC. Well done, um, Tap. It's um, it's great. Yeah, while it's it's not in my demographic, it's catchy. I'm I say like Alice, I'm still humming the chorus. It's got that Spanish guitar flourish that's very. It kind of guarantees it's going to be on your holidays. You will hear it blaring as you order your sangria on your holidays it's it's just a dance floor filler and and empowering like you say well the story might be flimsy it's it's kind of the evergreen you know you did me wrong and so i'm going to go out with my ladies and have a nice time and you know i'm sure we can all agree that that's what you should do uh so yeah hit definitely absolutely a hit and i cannot wait to hear it in euro club it's a hit for me as well. Let's just get that out of the way. There's a lot of promise in here. There, there's there's a little bit of danger as well. Um, but I think, you know, the things that I'm going, oh, what the danger? Well, they might overcook the staging. Um, we need to see what the PR promotional circuit is just like. Ugh. I asked all these questions with Sam Rido last year and they were all given up. Yep, that's good. We got that. We got that. We got that. I also asked all those same questions about Joe and Jake. So, benefit of the doubt, Plus a strong song that reminds me of one of my favourite Italian summer anthems. You know, you, you kind of lured me in with that one. It is the third leg of the third triplicate that's going to be happening this year. So, yes, you get a hit. But what I want is I want a mega mix. I want a mega mix where we have da-da-da-da-da-da on one channel. Po-po-po-po-po-po-po-po on the other channel. And cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha on the other channel. All together with this great Big stars on 45 mega mix. Look it up, kids. And that will be the quintessential Eurovision moment of the year. Until then, we have to look at those three songs in isolation. Hit. And with that, we have a nice, clear podium going through. Uh, taking bronze, Albania. Uh, taking silver, uh, Belgium. Um, we'll make it silver hat, Gustav. You're okay. Um, but there, on the top spot with the gold medal, which doesn't actually exist because it's an audio program. So just imagine uh, there's a gold medal there. May Miller, I wrote a song for the United Kingdom. Our traditional question. And can the United Kingdom win the Eurovision Song Contest? <sighs> Maybe. I'm going to be non-committal. But I do think we have a good chance of being in the top 10. I think the song is pretty solid and, and there's a really good chance. Winning, I don't know. There's a crowded field of bangers for me this year. I think it's a top 10 and I think we should be really proud of that. Um, For me, winners need a narrative and they need to be memorable and emotionally connect. And I think there's just something that's that's not quite there for me everyone goes into it on a level playing field my hunch would be this is top 10 for us i think a top five for this is within reach and i think that would be a fantastic result that would put may up there with sam and then we just need to get that third leg and the united kingdom is becomes this powerhouse at the song contest so you know, no, no pressure here, mate. You know, it's a home audience. You know, you're closing the show. Yeah, sit back, be chill, you know? But that's what the song is. 
the song is this sit back everything's gonna be right chill Let, let's do something creative let's write a song could it win yeah because i've seen top five if it's not sweden it's anybody in the top five anybody in the peloton can take over so yeah you know kingdom could win i don't think it's as strong as other countries but yeah the option's there we come to an end of another round of jukebox jury with that we have all of you thinking nope you didn't get that right i want to say something about that that's fine leave your comments back on the website www.esinsight.com or find us on the socials uh, and we can quite happily have constructive debates around all our opinions because they're opinions <laughs> right okay um other than that thank you to my judges thank you aj clay thank you who any books or anything coming out in the meantime not, not at the moment, no, but at some point, I'm sure. Also, thank you to Alice Beverdon Palmer from The Dorothy Project and many other places. And we can uh, find out more from yourself and all your work online where? Uh, best place to start would be Twitter, so I'm at Alice. Um, and you can also find me DJing at the Royal Vauxhall Tavern at Push the Button, which is the last Friday of every month. Liverpool 2023 getting ever, ever closer. Nobody scored any points yet. It doesn't matter what we say. It all matters when we get to the Albert Docks. Then we're keeping actual score. But for now, our music. This episode of Jig Books Jury was hosted by Ewan Spence with AJ Clay and Alice Beverly Palmer. Find out more at www.escinsight.com and support us at patreon.com slash ESC Insights.